Okay, look, guys, we're sorry. We made a little bit of a whoopsie. We made a whoopsie poopsie, but don't worry, we turned it into a little bit of a tootsie. just hits different when you're drinking coffee yeah <laughs> i feel so chill right now i feel like i'm not drunk yeah. wow. <laughs> uh, i feel groggy and like tired. i know as soon as you opened up the facetime i was like oh <laughs> she just got out of bed yeah that that just happened <laughs> yeah I have a bad oh. habit of just, like, wait, rolling out of bed and going about my day and not, like, brushing my hair, at least. And Ugh, same. I forget but I, <laughs> how bad I look. Yeah, it's okay. People have actually commented and told me, like, oh, you actually look like shit. And I'm like, you know what? It's, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> people, people suck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you suck? Welcome to Morning Talks with the Red Ramen Red Wine Podcast. The podcast where we talk about murder, mysteries, and mishaps. This is your morning mishap, Kristen. Hi. Uh, still waking up a little bit. Mm, me too. This is Sarah, mm-hmm. your other still waking up mishap. We say it's, it's like tw- noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is about 1130 my time, and I don't do a whole lot, you know, before noon, so... Here we are. Mm-mm. I had I had a nice little movie nap. I'm watching the Twilight series right now. It's going great. Ooh, <laughs> hell yeah! I think I'm gonna do that uh, today or maybe tomorrow. Yeah, it's much much needed. But yes, sorry, so sorry for the late post. Yes, <laughs> did not it? It was not intended. You know, we did everything <laughs> right except, except for the. <laughs> Except for the part where we maybe just had one too many glasses. Just one glass over. Just We just had one glass of wine too many, and we accidentally saved it a little funky. Yeah, so half of my audio ended up disappearing. (laughs) So I don't know what drunk Sarah did, y'all, but here we are recording again. Hey, it happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. Life is what you make it, so... Let's make it right. Let's make it what less shitty. Say? I don't know. Let's let's make it less shitty with more coffee. I don't. Oh gosh, this this one's up Wednesday. Next one will be on Friday. So stay tuned. Sorry about that. You're still getting two though. So yeah. Thank you. Sorry we fucked up, but here you're still getting it. So semi consistent. Semi <laughs> semi consistency is all we ask for in this. So today's story, we're back. Hi, UK. I I could not stay away. I was scrolling through the news and I came across this article and holy jamalam, I read it and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Mm. It happened fairly recently, um, like right as COVID restrictions were lightening up in 2020. So. Wow. We love a recent story. Yes, very, very recent and um, kind of disturbing to hear with how recent it is. 
how it was handled. Yeah, and you you mentioned COVID and it being so recent. You know how a lot of, like, TV shows have now adapted, like, when COVID and lockdown was going on, some of the TV Mm -hmm. shows, like, people were wearing masks and acting like there was a pandemic in the TV show. It just, like, makes it so much more real sometimes when it goes into, like, the not the media, but, um, you know, like, TV. Just, like, every movies and also real life I say everyday life but it's like literally just like every day life like from the tv that you watch to everything around you like has some kind of reminder that well so hearing like a true crime story where it mentions COVID it just really puts it into perspective on one how recent it happened and two just like it brings it a little more um just reality I think yeah. 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 It's it's definitely easier to talk about cases that happened forever ago because we lose the sense of time or they're like talking about a landline and we're like, oh, we don't know what that is. But yeah, yeah it's it, it's just disturbing to see that like shit like this is still happening to this day and it really brings it home for the emotion game. So grab a glass. We have coffee this morning because we are mm-hmm. not... <laughs> We don't have problems as much as people maybe think we do. (laughs) We're semi-normal, so we're doing coffee this morning. But yeah, for today, we are talking about the murders of Biba Henry and Nicole Smallman, otherwise known as the Wembley Park murders. Oh, Wembley. That is one term I am aware of, like name from the area, just because there's so many things called Wembley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. I try to act British, but um, no. Mm-mm. Hello. That accent. I will never be able to pull off a Lindsay Lohan. It's never going to happen. I would be the worst one of all. Fish and chips. Pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> all of our UK. <laughs> Everyone signed off. I love uh, the... English, you know, UK and surrounding like Scottish. Um, I love all those accents, so I am in no way making fun of y'all. <laughs> I just wish I had one, okay? <laughs> love the accents and love that they drink just as heavily as we do, if not heavier. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> appreciate you. <laughs> I, I'm not terrible. We're, we're, hey, someone. Is always drinking more. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> Semi. That's a great way. That's a great <laughs> my dream. <laughs> it's a great way to uh... Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> on <laughs> Fuck guys, sorry. <clears throat> so the day had actually started off as one of a celebration. It was Biba Henry's 46th birthday, and with COVID-19 restrictions just barely lifting in the UK area, they wanted to get a small gathering outside on June 5th of 2020. So, of course, her half-sister, 27-year-old Nicole Smallman, wanted to go out and celebrate and gather with all of their friends, and 
uh, one of their friends, Nina Asmat, who had actually been friends with Biba since they were like 16, Aww. had commented saying like it was such a beautiful evening. There was an amazing view. There was an amazing sunset. And they were taking pictures of it all night. So you could Aww. actually see the photos of the sunset that they were looking at and oh, the view gosh. of the picnic table. And like it looked like a great like if we were to go out and have a picnic, like that's us. Yeah. Is it like on their Facebooks? I don't know if it's on their Facebooks, but definitely if you just Google like Biba, Henry, and Nicole Smallman, uh, yeah, you'll definitely see. I, I know um, in the research or in the investigation, it listed that they had like over 150 photos that they had taken that night of just that night and every, yeah. like all the events that took place then. So it was a vibe, obviously. Yes, such a vibe. The picnic area was decorated with blankets and cushions. It reminds Aww. me of when we went to uh, Float Fest and we camped. Yeah. And we just, like, had that little tent set up. So homey. Yeah, it's just, I, it's something that I could see us doing, and that's why it's just, oh, man, it's... And they were there because they were following the rules, okay? They're not like some <laughs> these other people who we will not name that are, like, going and throwing major house parties like they were only allowed to do small gatherings outside so they wanted to make sure that they were following the rules so they got a small gathering outside in like the local picnic area at the park and they were just having a good time doing what what you should as a human being like just enjoy life so there were food and drink there obviously music and laughter you could see the fairy lights that they brought in some of the pictures and i'll obviously post some of them on our socials but you just lights like yeah so us (laughs) and they're like playing with it and making like cool photo effects it's just it's so it makes you smile to see that but then it just takes such a tragic turn and i'm just like why why so as the night progressed and their friends wanted to go, Biba and Nicole decided, like, no, we're having way too much fun. We want to stay. We want to continue partying. Like, we have each other. We'll be good. So it was actually around 1.05 a.m. that everyone was gathering their things. And I think I had said they got there around, like, 5, 7 p.m., I think okay. I had read. So they had been there for quite some time just yeah. partying and celebrating. Like, 1 a.m. So- is pretty late. Yeah, and it's it, not like a camp. They weren't camping, right? They were just hanging out. No, it was like a park in with neighborhoods around. It kind of okay. seemed like um, I didn't look at a photo of the area, but just from how it was described, like houses were pretty close to where they were, so it yeah. seemed like you could just walk home from there. But I know, um, like, Adam's boyfriend Nicole. So he wasn't at the party, but he had given right. Nicole. <laughs> You said Adam's boyfriend, Nicole. Oh, sorry. Nicole's Nicole's boyfriend, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, Nicole had a boyfriend, Adam Stone, and he didn't, wasn't at the party, but he had like given her money for a cab. So I guess they were, she was driving distance, but regardless, it was like a fairly public area. I don't yeah. think you could camp the night there right. regardless. So it was like 1.05 a.m. The girls were like, no, we want to stay a little bit longer. And the friends were like, okay, no worries. We'll let you go. And they described, like, as they were saying goodbye, that they could see the girls just continue to dance and play around with the camera and lights, just taking photos and laughing. One of the last texts that Nicole had actually sent to her boyfriend was describing how she was dancing in a field. Oh, Oh, it's like beautiful and creepy. Beautiful and just, yeah, 
really breaks my heart. Just like when you find out what happens, like it's just sad and yeah, beautiful because and creepy. That's at the same like time. I literally I can't stop saying it. That's a night that we have had countless times. Yes. So many times we have had a night exactly like that. It was actually taking these photos that the girls would take the last photo, like unknowingly take their last photo together. So the photo was time stamped at 1.13 a.m. So eight minutes or after the friends left. Eight minutes. Holy crap. Yeah. So in that photo, it would be described that they would appear distracted and some believe that that was when they realized that their attacker was approaching them. Ooh. Ooh. So the sisters would fail to answer any of the calls that would be made to them around 2.30 a.m., just kind of like checking to see if they had gotten home safely. But obviously it's 2.30 a.m. The girls were with each other, like they were last seen together, and obviously they're sisters. They're not, they're going to make sure that they get home safely. So it was kind of, it's easily assumed that, hey, they went to one another's place, they fell asleep, like it's nothing to be worried about. We can go to sleep and they'll answer our texts in the morning. Yeah. But the following day, Adam Stone, Nicole's boyfriend, would start to raise the alarm when he couldn't get a hold of either one of the sisters. So he would try pinging Nicole's phone through a phone finding app. He would go through her bank account statements to see her latest charges, which like this guy did the absolute most. He would even go to contact Nicole's flatmate and she would confirm that no, Nicole Smallman had not returned to the flat. And this is when he really starts to panic. He would even go over to Miss Henry's apartment and bang on the door. I guess uh, I know that she had a daughter, but I think the daughter may have been grown. So she had possibly lived alone mm-hmm. and was just like begging, begging for someone to answer and say like, no, we were just falling asleep or we just slept yeah, in late. Like, like no we problem. Here, yeah. yeah. And silence like no one came to the door and everyone he contacted everyone he asked no one had seen or heard from them it really just seemed like these girls had up and vanished so this would continue to go on until june 7th at around 1 p.m adam stone along with his Uh, mom and dad and the childhood friend of Biba's Nina Esmat had finally had enough they said that's it we can't take it anymore we need to go to the park and we need to find out like what is going on do a deep search I think they had already kind of like walked through and hadn't really seen anything so they decided to go back and like we're gonna look through every bush every corner until we find what happened oh my gosh So the concern would only grow, and by June 7th at around 1 p.m., Adam Stone, along with his parents and the childhood friend Nina Esmat, finally decided, like, enough is enough. We need to do a deep search of this park. I believe that they may have, like, walked through it before, but they were like, no, we need to go to the Fryant Country Park where these girls were last seen in Wembley and search every nook and cranny until we find something that could give us some kind of story as to what happened. Yeah, any kind of clues or anything. Anything. So once they were in the park, everyone decided to separate and they began shouting and looking in the bushes. It was walking along this path or in the park that 
Miss Esmat would find a pair of sunglasses that looked exactly like Biba Henry's. And she said that as soon as she saw them glinting in the sun, that her heart had sank. And she knew, she just knew that there was no way she could have left these behind, like on purpose. That just wasn't in her character. She would call the local police station. (laughs) And I'm I'm sorry, this is, yeah, this is where I start to get mad. Okay. Yeah. uh, I, mm. It's, it's upsetting how this case was handled. So. By the, the metro. Uh-huh. What do they call it? <laughs> so I'll go into more detail later, but just bookmark this little tidbit for now. They told her, you need to pick the sunglasses up and you need to drive to the police station and turn them in. Okay. What I, I guess they don't go by the whole motto of don't disturb or taint evidence. Yeah, I guess not. I guess they didn't really, mm. like, care that these girls were missing because, uh, you know, I was going to say it later, but I'll just say it now. When the they went to the police station to report these girls missing, the cops did the whole, oh, no. They're adults. They're, they looked at their age. They looked at who they were. And they were like, mm, they'll come back. Don't worry about it. So, like, they really, they didn't do shit. So, when they mm. said, like, hey, we found these sunglasses and we're saying that they're you said, missing. Sorry, you, you said they were BBs? They were, they were Bebas. Yeah. Bebas. Um, cool, because I just looked back at one of the pictures you sent me and she's literally wearing the sunglasses yeah. in this photo. Yeah. It's so oh. sad to look at, like, because you can see all of the detail in the evidence and it's... Oh. So after going to the cops and saying, hey, we have someone that's missing, I found their sunglasses. They said, oh, pick them up and just take them to the station. No problemo. Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. It but... doesn't because it's not right, but it's whatever. Like, it's, but I can't say anything else because the story doesn't change. So as, as Matt would make her way down to the station, Adam and his parents decided, we are finding evidence. We are going to continue to search. Like, we need to see what else we can find. It was from there that they would walk a little bit further and Adam would find another pair of sunglasses. And this one belonged to Nicole's. And it was described when they found these sunglasses. And, like, there was a photo of their wallets that were later found. Like, these items are completely mangled muddy like just destroyed they're not it's not like someone had gently forgotten it's not like someone had forgotten these sunglasses or they just like naturally fell off their head like Mm -hmm. it it was intentional it was brutal like some someone violently destroyed these items something definitely happened there as soon as he saw this he knew he was like i am not i'm not gonna touch them I know that this is a crime scene. Like, something sinister is happening. Something is going on. Good for him. Dude, Adam deserves a freaking round of applause and kudos for his behavior. Yeah. He really... He did everything that he... He did everything right and was failed so miserably by our system. And it's just so upsetting. This whole family was just completely let down and it shouldn't have happened this way yeah 
while this was happening, Adam's father would take a would look over and find an actual freaking knife on the ground. And Adam said that the second that he saw the knife, he started running and he dialed 999 immediately. It was while he was on the phone at night with 999 that he spotted some shoes in the undergrowth and sprinted over to the bushes. And it was in those bushes that he would find the entangled and lifeless bodies of Nicole Smallman and her sister, Beba Henry. Oh, my God. How far from their picnic area were they found? I didn't really look, but reading the how... Reading how... What am I trying to say? But <laughs> reading how the cops described, like, how the night happened, it... It really seems like this dude just fucking killed him, found the nearest bush, and threw him there. So it, okay. I uh, didn't really do a lot of research in the search sense of, like, looking up the park and, like, trying to see photos. I don't know. I saw the photos that I did see just got me in such a mood. I didn't want to, like, yeah. further go into it, but it seems like they were fairly close. It, it would have taken the cops it would have taken the cops a drive to the park if when these girls were reported missing for them to find it but instead right. these fucking cowards for whatever reason were like no they're not gone you're worried for nothing we know because we're not the family but we know and yeah n- then now their boyfriend Adam or yeah, now leave it up to the poor fucking family yeah, to take to find them the to find these girls and find and recover the girls it's women sorry so disgusting it's so horrifying that like what so are we going to get a huge chunk of this police commission now that we're doing your jobs for you like what the right. actual fuck is going on it would be described that their eyes had been left open and that you could just see these the stab wounds all around their body. In total, Biba Henry had been stabbed eight times and Nicole Smallman a total of 28. So oh it was a brutal, brutal scene. Adam would say that as soon as he saw their bodies, he would just drop on his knees and scream. Ugh. I don't even know if I'd be able to scream. Like... How, like to no, even get up and, and function yeah like do you ever have those dreams where you try to talk or you try to yell or you try to scream yeah. and nothing comes out yeah i feel like that's how i would be like just like numb and paralyzed yeah his mother upon like so as soon as adam got down and screamed like of course his parents would rush over but he would like get up and tell them like don't don't like you do not want to see this please like just get on the phone with 999 and just tell them to get here immediately but his mother like describing that moment said it seems like the world had just completely stopped which i can't imagine that gave me chills yeah it's heartbreaking adam would have to be the one to call everyone in the family and say that Biba and Nicole were had died it like as Matt was at the police station because she had to go give them the sunglasses and she would say that like the police were getting like dogs I guess like cadaver dogs brought in and so she was seeing this rush at the the police station she saw that something was going on and she was like oh my god what is this like what just happened and then she gets the text from adam saying like they're gone it 
it they didn't oh make it God. and she just like breaks down Adam would also have to call their mother Mina Smallman and uh, yeah of saying it he would go Mina Mina we found a knife Mina I'm gonna need you to sit down I found them Ugh. I found them but they're gone That's so heartbreaking. I know. And Adam really took the load on. My God. Adam uh, needs all, like, all the love, all the support. Oh, my gosh. I just, I, my heart goes out to him. He He's really stayed strong through it all. And then to be the one to have to talk to the family and, like, to not even let the cops do it. To him have that personal, like, so strong. Mm-hmm. A paramedic who was at the scene would later detail to the court during the trial that there was nothing that they could have done to save them, like, no matter what time they would have gotten there, you know, like, after this attack. It was just, it was that brutal. Of this event, Mina's, the mom, had said that her spark of hope had been completely extinguished because, I mean, these girls have been missing for 36 hours, so of course, of course, like, during those hours, you're thinking, you're praying that they're somewhere, they're alive, they're, they may be hurt, but they're okay, and, like, you're going to find them, and she did everything that she was supposed to, And during those 36 hours, of course, of course, she goes to the police and begs for help, says there's no way that my daughters would randomly do this. Both of them, like, they both have families. They both have lives. They both, like, they have reasons to live. They wouldn't just do this. And as Mina would say, I said to the police, we don't know if there's foul play here. We have no idea. We are now 36 hours on and they haven't turned up. Of course, the cops were like, oh, they'll come back. No worries. Oh, my God. Mina just Ew. said, yeah, Mina just said she instantly knew. I knew instantly why they didn't care. They didn't care because they looked at my daughter's address and they thought they knew who she was, a black woman who lives on council estate. It was due to the cop's lack of action that, like, yeah, Adam it had to find. Completely fucked. Yeah, Adam had yeah. to find the bodies. The family had to be tortured for as long as they did. They it would have taken them going to the park as soon as they reported it, and instead you drag out this family suffering an extra day for what? And then like to, yeah, and for what? Your own fucking. Ugh. And it only it only gets worse because there is oh. even more disrespect that happens within the investigation. Because it comes out, or it turns out a few days later, that two Met police officers, P.C. Deans Jaffer and Jamie Lewis, were charged with misconduct in public office after being accused of taking selfies next to the dead bodies of these girls and sending the photos to others, including members of the public. What the actual fuck? Like this family has gone through enough, you are going to fucking do that? I, mm, no words, no words. And if you are a cop and you do this, shame. You shouldn't be a cop. So disrespectful, so humiliating to the family, shame. Nothing but shame. Shame on not only those two officers, but everyone who 
should have been involved. Yes, because so the pair weren't suspended, of course, at the time. I mean, like not like it fucking helps. And they were arrested on June 22nd of 2020 and charged in April of 2021. The charge was misconduct in a public office, and it states that each officer misconducted himself in a way that which amounted to the abuse of the public's trust. Yada, yada, yada. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, they... they... Disgusting. Their lawyer would say that there is an indication to be given, and it's an indication of a guilty plea on behalf of both defendants. So, I try to see if they got time for this or anything, but the only thing I could see was unconditional bond or unconditional bail. So... I know that they pleaded guilty, but I don't really know what came of it. Um, I want to say that they are probably still on the force, but I could also be wrong. It just says yeah. that they were suspended. It doesn't say that they were let go. Right. Um, adding to this, they said that they were sorry beyond measure for the pain that they have caused, which, I mean, I guess thank you for saying sorry, but like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. The Independent Office for Police Conduit is also, or the IOPC, is also carrying out separate inquiries. So there is one inquiry that's going on with six other officers involved because there were officers within the police station that knew that this was going on. And, of course, they didn't fucking say anything. They let it happen. So Mm -hmm. of that... I think a total of, like, 13 have been told that their behavior's under review. So I'm like, oh, okay. But mm. of that, like, 13 were complete assholes. And then there's another inquiry going on. Um, seeing how they handled the calls from relatives and friends before the discovery of the body. So, like, how the calls were when they were saying, hey, these girls were fucking, are missing. Okay, how did these people respond? Like, why were they not helping out this poor family yeah yeah so i mean that's good i guess i really hope that something comes out of that because that cannot happen again and it's ridiculous that that family had to go through that and yeah i mean it it sucks but hopefully after this case it makes um some things known and some changes it changes yeah that's all you can hope for the good that would come out of it so Speaking to the BBC, Mina had said that the police officers are dehumanizing our children, adding to the news of the photographs took their grief to another place. She had continued that if we ever need an example of how toxic it has become, those police officers felt so safe, so untouchable, that they felt that they could photo- they could take photographs of dead black girls and send them on. It speaks volumes of the ethos that runs through the Metropolitan Police, which... Mina has, like, she needs to write a book because she just has yeah. the most inspirational quotes all throughout the, my yeah, reading. Yeah, those are such strong words. She is such, such, uh, and I know I say what she does later on. I believe she was, like, the first black archdiocese that um, was, like, in the area. She's, like, a very, pow- like, smart, smart woman. Smart. Wow. Um. And I, like, agree to this a thousand percent if there is one thing that I did learn in college in our business mm-hmm. courses that it teaches. It's, like, if your lower levels are doing it, it's because your higher-ups are so okay. It's, like, the the higher-ups run the toxicness that sinks into the your lower-level yeah. employees. 
They lead by example. Exactly. Whether it's positive or negative. Exactly. So once the investigation finally fucking begins, now that it takes having two dead bodies being brought to them, but it finally happens, they determined that it was an act that had to be committed by a random stranger due to the fact that there was absolutely no logic behind this. It seems like they were just chosen because they were there, like no other reason. It was so senseless, nothing else to it, which... It's so terrifying because you just, that's your worst fear, but you don't ever think that that's really what's going to happen. Like, yeah, like it is so random and senseless that you wouldn't ever think that it would happen to you until it does. It's there. It's just uh, a local resident around us. Yeah. A local resident, Martin Ridgeway, had actually ended up cleaning the picnic area during the 36 hours that the girls had been missing. So, Mm. it, and, like, (laughs) I want to yell at Martin, but he had no idea, like, he didn't know that two girls had just been reported missing because they, the cops weren't doing anything about it, and to him, he was just doing his, like, nice duty of cleaning up the park after some people had left their trash from the night before. Yeah. But what is really cool about the UK, and I'm like, why don't we do that here? So, they have a rubbish... Or they have a bin collection area where you throw your rubbish, and it was designated by the council waste disposal team. And basically, you, like, take a picture of your trash bin and then put it on the app, and it, like, tracks your trash some, oh. somehow. I think that I think that's what it is. It's so weird. So with this app, they were actually able to track the bin that Ridgeway had sent, and through there, they went through, like, 40 tons of... Uh, a refuse lorry. I hope I'm saying this right. Mm -hmm. But they found the cushions that match the photos. Um, So I know, like, I sent you one of the actual, like, picnics uh, set up. Yeah, on the blanket. Mm -hmm. So, like, the blue bag that's next to them. So uh, they found, and it was in that blue bag where it would hold a lot of the evidence. So, like, this was a major break in the case. On June 2nd, they had found a large blue hold hand, and it contained a blood-stained gray blankets. It had an unopened sparkling wine bottle. It also had a selfie stick and an LED color-changing lights, like the lights that they were playing with beforehand. Yeah. On on the blood-stained cushions that were found, uh, one of the words bearing on the cushions was life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning how to dance in the rain oh my god my whole body is covered in goosebumps three more cushions would be found one included an animal print and the gray picnic blanket that the sisters had been sitting on was later tested and they did find a dna profile on it and a foreign one Yes, and Ooh. the knife that was also found at the crime scene had blood from Smallman and that same unmatched DNA profile. Okay. Uh, they would also find this profile on Nicole's right boot, as well as Biba's left trainer and right ankle area of her leggings. Mm. And it was believed that the reason that this DNA got there was because during the attack, the assailant would end up cutting their hand because obviously like the blood gets so slick and then you slice your hand when so. 
Yeah, it's super common. Yeah, and um, I did send a photo of because he ends up he ends up going to the hospital later to get stitches, but of course, like nothing, no crime has been reported of this, so the hospitals aren't looking for anything. And yeah, so he ends up going to the hospital and getting it sewn. But it's like almost his whole entire thumb looks like it nearly got severed. It's like a, yeah. I mean, it looks like he cut it pretty deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So it would take nearly a month, but thankfully they were able to find a a hit on this DNA through familial link, making it, yeah, it's so fucking cool how they, we can like do this now, but yeah, cool and kind of fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, don't, sorry, Theodore, I gave my ancestry DNA, so you can't ever do anything bad in life (laughs) because your DNA is out there, but It made it, like, a billion times more likely that uh, it would be this person's son. So they determined that it was, like, the father of this person and it would be his son that they were looking for. Um, So it was a billion times more likely that it was him more than anyone else. And the... So I couldn't find out what citation the father had had, but either way, that's, like, why he had had a citation in the past, and that's why he had to give his DNA. So that's why uh, the dad's DNA was in the system, yeah. But they would get a name, and it would turn out that their murderer that they were looking for was named Daniel Hussein. So Hussein came from a Iraqi Kurdish heritage, and he had a long-standing interest with anything occult, mythology, or, like, Satan-related. Ooh, okay. So the police would describe the Hussein family as um, fairly unremarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which I'm, like, I'm now naming all my ex-boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> fairly unremarkable one, fairly unremarkable two, fairly unremarkable three. <laughs> so at the time of the murders, he was actually staying with his father, I believe, at his grandmother's house, which was a short walk away from the Friant Country Park where the oh. stabbings had took place. So that's why I mean by like um, there were neighborhoods around kind yeah. of deal. So his school friends would describe him as strange sometimes and (laughs) also strange around women, like an awkward teenager. But they really had didn't describe anything that would indicate that he was a freaking murderer. He just seemed like a really awkward dude. So his parents would end up splitting up and his mother would actually bring Hussein and his two younger siblings into Ethlem, South London. And I did not write it. I'll talk about it a little bit later on, but he was on this spectrum. So I, uh, I do believe he ha- was diagnosed with Asperger's. Okay. Or, no. He was on the spectrum. He was diagnosed with Asperger's when he was younger. After leaving the Thomas Tallis School in Kidbrook, Hussein was actually meant to go on to study for the BTEC qualifications at Orpington College, but like a lot of people he only went to about three or four classes and he's like no this is good and then he dropped out (laughs) so I mean I I feel that but nevertheless uh after the killings he was actually planning to go to the U.S. to um work at a children's summer camp oh no application denied sir what the actual where do you go 
Where do you get children's summer camp? Out of all the things. That's scary. Terrifying. While he did go to school, so he was 18 at the time of the attacks, so he, Uh. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he was very, very young. So Hussein had actually been diagnosed with Asperger, so he was on the spectrum um, while he was at school. And after his arrest, he would actually be seen four or five times by mental health specialists, but they couldn't and they couldn't find anything to indicate that he was delusional. Because obviously, if you have like Asperger's or autism, you're not delusional you just yeah you're more it varies so widely of uh people's abilities to do certain things or not understand certain things and many times they are completely capable of understanding and carrying out like quote-unquote normal life yeah it depending on like how far they are on the spectrum they can completely live totally normal lives and it's not to say at all that just because you have autism or just because you have schizophrenia doesn't mean that you're going to go out and attack someone so it's yeah they couldn't find anything else to I guess further say he had something mentally to go on to say that he was delusional at the time of the murders right so he wasn't like considered mentally ill no he just was a dude with autism who happened to commit a crime or he had a Asperger's I believe that's what he actually like goes on to tell the cops is like, oh, I'm I have Asperger's when they ask, like, why'd you do it? But I'm like, oh. that's not an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he would. So before the murders, he had actually been referred to a de-radicalization scheme in October of 2017. So they have these things called channel programs in the UK. And basically what it is, is it's a voluntary multi-agency safeguard program. And this basically gives support to people who are vulnerable to radicalization. So if you look on their website, like one of the examples they use is like someone's on a college campus handing out pamphlets that spread like violence or homophobic hate or something like that you can be like oh charlie's acting a little cuckoo he's acting a little a little radicalized i think that he should go into this program and then they basically try to like deprogram your radical beliefs yeah um so he he basically got referred into the program after he was caught looking at far-right material and norse mythology so like I know sometimes when you're on the autism spectrum, typically from what I've seen, they like to have a area of topic, like one topic that they really focus on. They really... Yeah, a niche. Yeah, a niche of choice, if you will. So, like, for him, I would assume since he was so in the realm of the mythology and Satanism, like, that was just his niche for whatever reason but i couldn't really get a lot on his family life so i have no idea like what drove him to that exactly like what the reason for that was but either way obviously this channel program did not work um he would be discharged in 2018 but just seven months later they would take him back and um he would spend I think six months there and then they would release him and then they took him back another six months later. So he was there like a total of three times. Jeez. Yeah. And none of those times worked. 
obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It, 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 that's why it's just like, um, I want to believe in programs like that, but I don't. Sounds like maybe it needs some altering. Yeah, maybe a little bit. So the police would first visit Hussein's father's house in Kingsbury, North London. And obviously this is the place that was not far from Bryant Country Park. And they arrived around midnight. They were told that he was actually at another address. The dad was like, no, he is with his mom. So they drove over to the mom's house in Ethelham, southeast London, and they got there by 12.55 a.m. So after that, police would raid his house, and they would discover a freaking house of horrors. So it would have a book of spells. They would have handwritten demon symbols, and they found two blood packs. Now... Like, in his room or, like, just around the house? In his room. So, oh, okay. I mean, I say a house of horrors. It's, like, a room of horrors, and it's <laughs> it, it's just, like, a room of paper horrors, but it's just the... Still. The, the oh, like, people... There's... I just couldn't imagine, like, yes, I wonder what my son's doing behind that closed door. Oh, he's making fucking packs with the demon. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not... <laughs> Like, you're smoking weed? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I, no freaking devil pack. Son, okay? put down the Ouija board, pick up the fucking bong. I can't. <laughs> how many times do I have to say this? Do you need some of my weed? <laughs> so, one of the blood packs was actually made out to a demon queen, Blythe. Oh. And he would offer his blood to her in exchange for sexual potency. <laughs> and he basically wanted this so he could make so a... So he had a small dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he basically wanted this so he could make a girl at school fall in love with him, which, imagine being that girl and then finding this out. He be G-B's. She's probably like, um, I've literally never spoken to him in my life. <laughs> I go to your local priest and get blessed. I would feel so... Ooh, ooh, ugh. Can't. Like, ooh. Like, emo me wished that someone was out there making a pact, but now that I'm seeing this in real life, like, watching the Twilight movies as an adult, I'm like, girl, red flag, he's been, he's been watching you sleep for months, he's been stalking you, and you say that you love him, like, all the red, like, it's, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous what teenagers, what, like, teen me would have I totally, totally would have been okay with now. Now as an adult, <laughs> honey, no. Oh my god, I just can't. No. Oh. Uh. It would be the second pack that truly just makes this case so horrifying, so disgusting. Like I, I can't with this guy. So detectives would find a green card that was made out to a demon king. A demon called King Lucifage Rofocat, which he... So this guy, Lucifage, is the Prime Minister of Hell, according to the Grand Grimoire. And Lucifer basically granted him power over all other worldly tre- treasures, along with control of the treasury in hell. Along, so, like, he, he's an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> along with Mammon, um, which... 
yeah, I don't know what Mammon is, but it it's just this thing. So he's, I guess, like this all-powerful being. And he gets with this accountant demon because he makes a deal. And in this deal, he says, I will kill six women every six months so I can get the Mega Millions super jackpot, which is like 321 oh million pounds. Oh, my God. And I don't want to get caught. Well, I'm not. <laughs> in, I, he has to be delusional because in what fucking reality do you really think that that's going to work? And you think it's going to be from like a. Have you not seen? Well, when people believe something, they believe it, do man. You, like, what the fuck? It reminds me like this reminds me of the same mentality of like the skin, uh, the. The skinny man, the slender man stabbings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was a fucking 12 year old that did it. Like, this guy's 18. You boys really take a really long time to mature, I guess, because I, I can't believe. Sorry, boys that are listening. It's just this guy. <laughs> so, the. He would take his print from his right thumb and his forefinger and put it on the document in blood. As oh. well as write his own signature in blood. So thanks for the DNA evidence. Yeah, there we go. It was also among his things that they would find three lottery tickets. So <laughs> over the 10 days after these murders, he would spend like over 160 pounds on lottery tickets and bets. And because this isn't fucking real, none of them were winning numbers. Because like how senseless is this? Seriously? Ugh. Yeah. Upon his arrest, he would tell the police he has Asperger's syndrome and he has trouble with his memory and he wasn't going to say anything else. Okay. Mm -hmm. He would be charged with two counts of murder and one count of possessing an offensive weapon and he would deny all charges. Like, he didn't do it. Oh. So Judge Justice Whipple ordered the psychiatric reports to be carried out ahead of the sentencing. Um, It's... I couldn't really see anything of that other than the fact that they just deemed him not delusional. They would also find CCTV footage that showed him buying a set of knives from Asta, which matched the knife that was placed there. Of course. Days before the killings. And there would also be footage caught of him returning to his home after the killings around 4 a.m. on June 6th. (laughs) Because so they were there uh, June 5th. And then the killing happened, like, early in the morning, so past midnight, so it was June 6th, technically, when they were murdered. Lawyers from Hussein would say that this is not Hussein, it's a mystery man that looks like the teenager that bought the knives at the supermarket and purchased the shovel and mask from Amazon. It was an unknown person that wrote out the contract, that an unknown person came into his room with Hussein's blood and Hussein's right fingerprint and thumb with tape and you know how to get away with murdered it onto the paper dipped it in a little quill and wrote it out and then left it in his room for the cops to find and uh left it under his television in the bedroom yeah i mean i feel like they would have had a better defense strategy if they ran with the whole memory loss thing i mean 
or at least the demon done did it. Like, I'm possessed. Yeah. I want to believe that more. Like, I just, like, an unknown I'm person, a, really. Someone who looks like, okay. An unknown, an unknown force. And, like, I can't. They could have tried to pin it on the dad, and they didn't. I would fire that <laughs> lawyer, man. Like, you gotta yeah. take that bar degree, take that degree away. You need to practice a little harder. So his father had accompanied his father had accompanied him to the hospital after the stabbings to get his thumb stitched up and Hussein had basically told him that he was there be, or he had gotten the thumb injury because of a mugging. So that was his excuse for the thumb injury as well. His lawyers would also claim that the crime that the crime scene could have been contaminated which I'm not going to lie like it, it it was because of the cops just blatant lack of wanting to fucking try to do their jobs they didn't get there when they reported the girls missing so that gave 36 hours for evidence to be fucked up but yeah it it doesn't explain how the fucking blood evidence got there like so they're saying the same unknown person that took the blood to sign that document went back over and put the blood on the bodies and the knife and whatnot Mm, yeah. yeah so it's like it's too much for you to say that someone else did it or this is like someone altering the crime scene to make it look like something other than what it fucking was, which was just a horrendous and unnecessary crime. Right. In a victim impact statement read out to the court, the sister's mother, Mina, would say no one expects their child to die before them, but to have two of your three children murdered overnight is just incomprehensible. If any good comes out of this, at least four women will not have to meet a similar end in a so-called pact with a so-called demon. She would also go on how to describe, The problem is that people who are supposed to be assessing and taking responsibility, there's a gap from stage to stage so they get lost in the system. The saddest thing, if this young man does have this tendency where he does go into prison, he is going to be even more radicalized. He is a killer now. He'll be a killing machine by the time he comes out. She also described forgiving him because he has no power in our lives and revealed that Hussein would position himself in the dock so he could stare at her and smile during, as they described the most gruesome of evidence. Oh my God. Whoa, those were powerful words, but you, Tim, staring at her. Yeah, like just even more fucking outright disrespect. Yeah. So the... He did plead guilt, or he was charged as guilty, but they haven't sentenced him yet. So the sentencing for this will take place in September of this year. So I will do my absolute best to give an update on this. I really hope he gets like fucking life in prison because ob- he will do it again. Yeah, it and there is no like the cops were saying it. Everyone was saying it. If he hadn't have cut his thumb because it took over 36 hours for them to find the body. And I like over a month to find out who he was, he would have done it again if he had not hurt his thumb because the deal was six women. And he just that he didn't care who, what, when, where, why he was just going at it. So it's like, if any good of this came, it's those girls saving those four other lives that would have been lost due to this fucking senseless man. Because the cops were obviously not going to do anything to stop it. And they would have had a serial right. killer on the on their hands because of it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, obviously, as a true crime podcast, you know, we talk about some of, like, the worst fucking moments in human history. And as- thankfully, with this case, it was not the reason or it was uh not the case but 
in most cases where we're dealing with women of color or certain races like you get absolutely no information on these people or if you are dealing with sex workers like just the information isn't there and they are treated as victims but I just like they aren't victims we have to know human they are you they are me they are your mother your brother your sister your father everyone around you like human beings and it's really sad that sometimes it's it's easy to see them as just that the victim but they're not they're people so Biba Henry was a mother a daughter a sister a friend and a colleague she would always fight for what's right and would be the voice for those who were vulnerable to society's harsh demands She was a force of nature who lived in Brent in northwest London and was an exceptional senior social worker at Buckinghamshire Council. She was just fantastic to be around, and she had the Uh biggest personality in the room. And she was also a... a (laughs) She was also an advocate in safeguarding at-risk children and families. She was a lovely woman who was both serious and fun. Her luminous love for life drew people to her like a beacon in the darkness. Before qualifying in social work, Miss Henry had a job driving around disabled children to their activities. Her baby daughter would be right beside her, and she would get her young passengers to sing along and enjoy the journey with her. She was a proud daughter to her father, Henry Herman, the ABA featherweight champion of 1982, who spent his own, who set up his own building contracting company. She was a proud daughter to her mother, Mina, who is an absolute beast of a woman, uh, who gave her up her office work to train as a teacher and later joined the priesthood and became church, the Church of England's first black female archdeacon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was barely five feet tall, yet she had the heart of a lion and a smile that would put the Blackpool illuminations to shame. Mm-hmm. Nicole Smallman was 27 years old and shared many in, many of the same interests, especially in the arts. She was laid back and approachable, and Nicole was also a photographer and a University of Westminster graduate and a joy to be around. In comparison to Miss Henry's blinding incandescence, Miss Smallman's personality was more was way more diffused, mellow, and all-encompassing. Longtime mm-hmm. family friend... Lee Ewan Ledger said, I hear about you hear about people lighting up a room when they walk in, but the description is almost too harsh for Nikki. When she walks into a room, she was like a nightlight. It was subtle, protective, warm. She was a talented artist and she was passionate about her work in documentary making and theater. She was also a singer and an actor with a speaking voice that was so silky smooth. Her teacher said she should do something in radio or TV presenting. She saw beauty in everything, was friendly, enthusiastic, and much loved. Calm and positive, she was a much stronger support she was a strong supporter of humanitarian and environmental causes. She was also the mother of a uh, black bearded dragon with her partner Adam. Aww. And uh finally I just wanted to end on one last thing that Mina Smallman said because uh this girl just knows how to say words that move you. <laughs> yeah. Of this whole case and of everything that has happened to this family, Mina says of the loss of her children, the grief we feel is palpable. Our beautiful, talented daughter is gone. I think that the notion of all people matter is absolutely right, but that it's not true. 
Other people have more kudos in this world than people of color. That's what gives me purpose. If their lives make a change in the way women are viewed and of that of black women in particular. In pecking order of things, we are lowest on the ladder. That is the fucking oh God. tragic and terrible. Okay, can I just say that comment about Nicole being more of a nightlight? Like, that was so beautiful, and I've never heard someone described like that. And it just, like, is so touching. Right. It's, like... Say something like that about me at my funeral. <laughs> because I don't think anyone will. I'm just like the words that were used to describe these sisters. Like I wish she I was like a flickering bulb. I wish I could have met them. And I mean, seeing the photos of them, they obviously knew how to have a good time. Yeah. It's just. It's so everything about this. Like, I'm glad that we were able to find justice for the family and get this killer behind bars. I hope and. I really do pray that it is for a long time. I will put any kind of petition that I can if it's not because that is ridiculous. I know that the family is wanting to or is like thinking of the possibility of suing the police. And to that, I'd say go for it. You you deserve you need to make a statement. And unfortunately, the only way that these assholes typically tend to listen is money. So like, fuck it. Who cares? But you got to do what's best if it's too painful obviously you understand but yeah i will Holy crap. yeah i'll do my best to update on this case and let you know the sentencing but i'm yeah just all the thoughts and prayers going out to this family and shame on anyone who tried to make this investigation not happen and just disregard we it's 2021 we really seriously seriously need to stop disregarding people's concerns if they go up and say hey i think a loved one is missing like yeah okay so especially when it comes to adults specifically people of color and women of color and and mental health low low social status we need to do better when someone goes missing we need to care yes they are fucking people just like you just like me like we have no excuse for how life circum, how this crazy thing we call life puts us in whatever situation we're in. Like, who are you to judge and say you're lesser of a human being than me because our circumstances are different? Like, fuck exactly. out of here. We are all the same. We are all human. We all go through suffering. And you can't, like, how dare you not try to, like, invalidate someone because of their ethnicity or, like, that what they do for a living or what how much money they make or it's just disgusting and we need mm-hmm. to stop doing that like we need to help one another out this world is already so fucked up like it's the least we could do for each other you know right god damn it yeah so yeah that is hope i did okay on that one it was yeah, definitely yeah. it's definitely a hard one to read when you it's so happened not that long ago and it's like a fucking case from the 90s and i'm like what the actual fuck is going on yeah well shit thank you Kristen. yes thank you uk man y'all have some interesting stories can't get enough of it hopefully you can't either (laughs) i don't know Yeah. Thank you, UK, for the inspiration. You guys are always a pleasure to visit in the true crime realm. Always got interesting crimes, man. 
The world is a fucked up place, unfortunately. We're all prone to it. Yeah. Well, cheers. Well, on that note. Cheers to familial DNA. Thank you for becoming a thing and getting some of these monsters behind bars. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Cheers to not taking selfies with dead bodies. Yes. No. (laughs) Just don't. Just don't, please. And be sure to follow us if you haven't already so you can get the 411 on what's going on on our <laughs> latest mishaps with our editing and recording problems. Yeah, uh, just daily lives. Yeah, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. At R-A-R-W podcast. And yeah, have a good morning, have a good night, have a good afternoon, and...